last week I shared with you the beginning of this, what I would call a mini-series, just two-part series called Adventures. I feel like God is stirring us to go places we've never gone before, uh, to experience things we've never experienced before. And I won't take long on this, uh, but if you've got your Bibles or your phones, you can turn to uh, Isaiah 43, and I'm going to take you to a passage of Scripture that many times we've used leaving an old year, getting ready to go into a new year. We've used it leaving one season, going into a new season. But I want to kind of just uh, explain the context of the Scripture. It's a great refrigerator Scripture. It's a great, you know, promise to have. But what does it mean? What did God mean when he was saying this? In Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, it says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Now, when God spoke this through the prophet Isaiah, the children of Israel, of course, we talked last week about the moment where they had to cross over the Jordan, that moment where they had to leave Shittim and make it to the, into the promised land. But they've been in the promised land. Now there's been persecution over the Israeli people and they have scattered and many of them are in captivity in Babylon. So here in captivity where they're feeling hopeless, they're feeling stuck, God speaks this word to him and says, forget the former things, don't dwell on the past, I'm doing a new thing. And so immediately their minds start going back to the way God brought them out of Egypt into the promised land, parting the Red Sea, parting the Jordan River, providing with manna from heaven, uh, providing by a cloud by day and a fire by night. And so immediately they start going back to how God provided in the past to give context to how God was going to uh, treat them in the future. And that's why God was saying, whoa, 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 forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm doing a new thing. Everybody say new thing. I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? And I feel like God is stirring something up in his church where we see our world becoming extremely reckless. Our world is chaotic. Yet I feel like God is trying to stir up his church to say, hey, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. There's something I want to do in the church. I feel like God wants to be unleashed upon his church. I I feel like he wants to be unleashed upon me. And and in order to do that, sometimes we have the default position of going right back to the best days that we've known with God. And when, when we start talking about, let's pray for revival, we start thinking, I know what that looks like. I went to one of those one time. We start, we start praying for breakthrough. Oh, I remember that. I remember when I got set free from certain things. And we go back to the context of the way things were, and we start putting a box for God to fit in because that's all we've known. But yet God is saying, no, I want to do a new thing. So in order to do a new thing, you've got to forget the former things. You say, whoa, 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 wait a second. The past was really good. We had some great memories back there. We had some great breakthroughs, some great revivals, great youth camps, and great experiences. I'm not saying they're not great, but the problem that a lot of us have is we set up these little memorials over these great things that happened in the past, and it's like they become a shrine, and what happens when you enshrine something? You begin to worship it. And so without even realizing it, we've become worshipers of these moments of the past, Those are the good things in the past. But then some of us, we don't necessarily have any good moments in the past. All we have is hurt, betrayal, and regrets. And we're still stuck 
in the pain of the past. So what God is saying, I'm doing something new. I want to do something new in you. And in order to do something new, you've got to let go of the past, the good and the bad. You got to let it go. So three things that there's three elements to this verse that I just want us to break down uh, and see to kind of give us handles on how to apply this to our lives as we step into this new season. I'm anxious in in an excited way. I'm excited about what God wants to do in the future for Freedom Church, what he wants to do in the Bridges family. I'm excited about it. But in order to experience it, I got to let go of the past. Janet, I can't go back and relive those good old days of the past. It's got to be something new. It's got to be something new. So here it is. Number one, you got to let go of the past. Let go of the past. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on them. No matter how good they were, no matter how, the, how bad they were, you got to let go of them. Have you ever noticed how your rear view mirror is only about eight inches wide? Your front windshield is about six feet wide, right? Why? Because you're supposed to spend more time looking where you're going rather than where you've been. You've got to pay attention to where you're going. To move ahead, you can't constantly be looking in the rear view mirror. The, the past, we, we learn from the past, but we don't live in the past. Your past is not supposed to uh, uh, be an anchor to hold you back. It's supposed to be a rudder to guide you. So there's a, there's a way to use the past, but not get stuck there. Something new that God's doing, he's stirring up in us. But you gotta pay attention. Do you not perceive it? It's happening. It's here. God's stirring in our hearts. But you've got to keep your eyes on him. You can have your head down doing some good things. You could have your head down working hard. You could have your head down building a church. You could have your head down and reading, studying the scriptures, but you could miss it. Yesterday was a perfect example. I was, Starla and I were out, we're building a house out in the country. And we were out there yesterday and I was, had a chainsaw, I was cutting some logs and I had Stella, my three-year-old granddaughter, with me and she was in the bed of the truck in a chair I'd set her up in a chair we were stationary okay I wasn't driving around in a chair in the back of the truck okay uh, she was stationary and and I, I had cut some logs so I was just loading them up and so I had my head down and I was just putting logs from the ground in the back of the truck and she was helping me a little bit and all of a sudden she says pops a reindeer I look up and sure enough Santa's reindeer children were at Pop's land. Now you can plug their ears. Uh, There was this eight-point buck that started chasing this doe right out across the field in front of our house and ran two circles around the house. And I'm just, I pulled my phone out and I'm videoing. I said, Stella, look at this. Check this out. I mean, the, the buck was so doe crazy. Didn't even pay attention to the fact that we were right there. Just, I mean, ran right in front of us. as close as me and Nisi right there. And, but here's the point. I had my head down working and I would have missed it. Stella had her head up looking and she said, pops a reindeer. And I thought sometimes we get so busy having our head down doing good things working hard, staying busy, that we don't do what the scriptures tell us, lift up your eyes to the hills. That's where your help comes from. You got to keep your eyes open. You got to stay looking. You got to perceive that God is doing something new and doing something great in our lives. And if you, you've got to be expecting it, there has to be an expectation. Are you expecting God to show up? Are you expecting him to come through? Or are you just going to keep your head down just one step at a time? No, I'm going to look up. I believe that God has something great. 
story that we all know, a young man that got tired of working for his father's farm, so he asked for his share of the inheritance and then went off to a distant land and began to live a wild and crazy life and spent all of his money, lost his money, was broke, had no home, had no place to stay, had no food to eat, ends up getting hired out to a pig farmer. And there he is in the pig pen, eating the pig slop. But then it dawns on him. Even the hired hands that work for my father are better off than I am. Even they have food to spare, a place to stay. So he decides, I'm going to go back to my father. I don't deserve to be a son, but I'm going to go back and ask him if he'll just take me on as a hired hand. So he makes his way back to his father, and you know the story. The father sees him from a long way off, runs out down the road and meets him and throws his arms around him and hugs him and kisses him. And The son starts the story, the rehearsed story. I don't deserve to be a son, but if you could just take me back as a hired hand. The father says, nonsense. You're my son. Here's a ring for your finger a robe for your back and shoes for your feet. You see, that's exactly what God does when we bring our past to him. Some of us are so afraid that if we bring our past to God that he's going to stiff arm us and reject us and look down on us and feel uh, bad about. No, 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 no. No, he's our father. When we bring our past to him, he calls us sons. He calls us daughter. He wraps his arms around us and he welcomes us back into the family of God. And that's what we need to realize when we come to him, his arms are open wide. So you got to be willing to let go of the past, no matter how good it may have been or no matter how bad and ugly it may have been. Let go. Number two, you got to believe that God has a better plan. See, some of us, we are so locked into how good things were. Let me tell you what we're really doing. We're locked into the feeling of Revival, the feeling of when we got saved, the feeling of when we got delivered, the feeling of those great moments with God. And we have fallen more in love with the feeling of it than the God of it. Because the God who allowed us to experience those things is calling us to someplace new, but some of us won't let go of it because we're, we're stuck on the feeling. We're stuck on the emotion of it. There's nothing wrong with the past. The past is great. Thank God for it. But we have to believe that God has a better plan. He said, see, I'm doing a new thing. In fact, this word see is an invitation from God to come and see what I'm doing. In other words, God's not trying to, you know, play a sleight of hand here or, you know, uh, uh, you know, to try to trick us into something. No, he's saying, come and see. I'm doing a new thing. And I want to show you this new thing. I want you to experience this new thing. But we have to be willing to let go of the old and believe that God has something better for us. I remember reading the story of a pastor that was learning to fly and he took the uh, plane up and the instructor turned the, uh, the, the total controls over to him and then told him, said, I want you to put this plane into a steep and extended dive. So he did. He went down and started going down. He wasn't prepared for it, but on this steep extended dive, the, pl- the engine began to stall out. And he was plunging to what appeared to be certain death. 
panicking and kind of freaking out, he turned to the instructor and said, what am I, what am I supposed to do? The instructor would say nothing, would do nothing, just left him there on his own. He said when he began to think again, he remembered his training, pulled the plane out of the dive, and then let the instructor have it and say, don't you ever do that to me again, only for the instructor to say, listen, there's not a situation you can get me in up here that I can't get you out of. So you can either live comfortably or you can learn to fly this plane. Now let's take it up and do it again. And God spoke to him and said, I'm the same way. There's nothing you can get me into that I can't get you out of. Some of us think that we've got ourselves in such messes that God could never get us out. No, God can get us out of anything. If we'll just come to him with a humble heart, he can get us out of anything. You gotta believe that God has a better plan for you. Some of you are so stuck to regrets of the past and and victories of the past that you don't think that God has something better. You think that what you've experienced in the past is the best it'll ever be. I'm telling you, God has something better in store. It's not to disrespect anything that's happened in the past, but God wants to do a new thing, and I believe that his new thing will always be better because God is always getting better. Can I get an amen? So you gotta believe and trust that. And here's the last thing, and the worship team, if you would, come back. You gotta take hold of the new. Take hold of the new. Verse 19 says, now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. In other words, I'm making a way where there hasn't been a way. There there weren't pathways in the wilderness. There weren't pathways in in the desert. And there certainly weren't streams in the wasteland. So what God was saying is, just like we sang, he's the way maker, a miracle miracle worker. He's going to make ways where there haven't been ways. And he's going to provide for you along the way with refreshment that ordinarily would not be there. I'm going to make sure it's there for you. Are you willing to take hold of the new? Because he's willing to go ahead of us and provide everything that we need. Now, there are three ways that you can move forward. You can move forward in fear, you can move forward in uh, foolishness, or you can move forward in faith. You see, the foolish way says, this is crazy. It's never going to work. But I bet every single one of you were told that whenever you left the home for the first time, left your home and branched out, whether it was college or on your job, there were people They said, you're foolish. You should stay home. You should take the easy way. But you had bigger dreams, whether it was when you started your business or when you got married. There were people who thought you were foolish. But you had a dream inside of you. You had something burning inside of you. And so you didn't listen to those voices. There were others that you were so afraid and so fearful. You can be paralyzed by fear and never experience the things that God has for you. Or you can operate by faith. Faith says, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust God can get me there. I'm going to trust that God can take me places I've never been before. I'm going to trust that his plan is better than I've ever dreamed before. So I'm going to take hold of the new. I may not know where I'm going and I may not know what it's going to look like when I get there, but I believe that God has my best interest in his heart and in his mind. So I'm going to follow him. There was a house that caught on fire. All the family escaped except for the son. He lived in the upstairs bedroom and the flames had engulfed the staircase and he was unable to get down. He had to retreat to the roof of the house and as he made his way to the roof of the house, the rest of the family and neighbors 
Even firemen began to gather around the outside and all the boy could see were flames and smoke and blackness. He began to yell out for his father. His father heard his voice. Knowing that the only hope for the boy was to jump, he yelled to his son. He said, jump, son, jump. And the boy said, dad, I can't see you. That's when the dad said, that's okay. I can see you. Jump, son, jump. And there's a whole lot of us that we can't see the future. We can't see what the next step is. We can't see where God is taking us. We don't understand. We haven't put all the pieces together yet. And we're saying, but I can't see you, God. And God is saying, that's okay. I can see you. Just jump. Take the next step. Do what I'm calling you to do. Follow me. Trust me. I'm taking you where I want you. It was in April 1988 when a group of about a half a dozen skydivers jumped from a plane and one was a photographer that was taking video footage of this jump and as he videoed all the skydivers doing their tricks and then finally pulling the ripcord, he was finally the last one. And he reached for what he thought was his ripcord only to realize that in all the confusion and the chaos, he had forgotten to put his parachute on. He reached for an absent ripcord and he fell to his death. The video recording showed it. See, that skydiver put his faith in something that he did not possess. And because of that, he died. There are a lot of us, we put our faith in things that cannot save us. We put our faith in things, whether it's your spouse, your husband, or your wife, they can't save you. You put our faith, we put our faith in in our job, and your job can't save you. You've got your faith in people. You've got your faith in government. You've got your faith in all kinds of things. There's only one thing that can save you. That's putting your faith in Jesus. There's only one thing that can get you out of that downward fall, and his name is Jesus. There's only one person that can take you to the places that he has destined for you. And his name is Jesus. So you can continue operating in foolishness. It's the fool who says in his heart, there's no God. You can continue operating in fear. Or you can say, you know what? I'm going to put my faith in the one who can save me. I'm going to put my faith in the one who can deliver me. I will put my faith in the one who will catch me when I jump. Because God is calling each and every one of us to jump, to go somewhere we've never gone before, to do something you've never done before. I believe this speaks to us as a church, but I believe it also speaks to you as an individual. What is it that God's calling you to do that you've been unwilling to do? Refuse to say, this is foolish, this is crazy. Refuse to say, I'm too afraid. Walk by faith. Trust that he's taking you places that he has destined for you. And the places that he has for you is so much greater and grander, more beautiful than you could ever imagine. He's calling you. Will you respond? Do me a favor, stand to your feet all over this place. I want to do something just for the next few moments here. As we sing this final song, 
I want to challenge you. I feel real compelled to go back to this moment of letting go of the past. Because all over this room, there are people you connected with when I was talking about the wounds and the hurt and the pain of the past. And you're still, you're still stuck there. You can't seem to get over it. Because some of you are thinking, how could I trust a God who didn't protect me from that? God never promised to protect us from all trouble. He promised to get us through it. We dealt with a lot of that in the Tough Question series. But you're still stuck there. And at some point, you got to trust that God has a better plan for you. There's some that are over here still stuck on the good things, the beautiful things, the wonderful experiences of the past, but you're stuck to a feeling. And God is saying, I have something even better than that for you. Will you trust me? But we've put God in this box and said, yes, I will trust you if it looks like this. But God says, I have something new for you, something different for you. So I want to challenge you in this next moment to bring to the altar because the altar is a place for death and sacrifice. So we're going to die to the things that have caused us to be stuck. And we're going to lay them down at this altar. And then we're going to take up the, the new. We're going to take up the plan that God has. By, by walking to this altar and laying it down, we're going to say, I believe you've got a better plan for me. And so I'm going to take hold of the new. And I'm going to walk out of here different than I came. And I know right now, some would say real quickly, I, I can do that right here where I am. But isn't it interesting as we look through scripture, there was a woman with the issue of blood that knew that if she could just push through the crowd, touch the hem of his garment, her healing would come in that touch. There was a man that Jesus could speak the word and he would be healed, but instead he put mud on his eyes. He said, go wash. And as he went and washed, his sight was returned. How about Naaman's leprosy? The prophet could have spoken the word and his leprosy would go and his skin would be as new as a baby's skin. But instead, God said, I want you to go down and I want you to dip seven times. The Bible's full of these moments where God requires something out of us where we have to take a physical step to release a spiritual action in our lives. And I want to challenge you not to stay in a comfort zone, but to step out and say, you know what? I'm not going to get stuck in my wounds and my hurts and my pains. And I'm not even going to allow myself to be stuck over here with the glory days. I'm going to lay it all down because I believe what God has for me is better than I've ever dreamed possible. So I want to take hold of the new. So while we're singing this song, I'm going to ask you to bring that hurt and that pain or that victory and that success and lay it at this altar. Pick up what God has new for you today. Walk out of here different than you've ever, than you came in. I believe that's what God has for us today. Father, I pray in the next few moments as we come to this altar and we lay down hurts and pain, we lay down trophies and victories and successes. We leave them here believing that what you have for us is so much better than we've ever dreamed. What you have for us is so much greater than we've ever imagined. And we, we choose to pick it up and to begin to walk it out and live it out each and every day. We declare it in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen.